when common sense takes a back seat to mainstream media talking points and social media headlines, it's time for a reality check. It's time for a dose of the facts. This is the John Muir Show. Good morning, John Muir Show. It is 8.39 a.m. on Monday morning. And as we start yet another week here on the John Muir Show, we're glad to be heading to the phone lines where we're joined by one of our favorite guests on this program. And he would be the president of the Wisconsin-based No Better Friend Corp, Kevin Nicholson. Uh, Kevin, great having you on the program. As always, how you doing today? Good morning, John. How are you? Doing well here. All right. Well, glad to hear it. Doing well on this end also. Uh, if you could start by telling us, uh, you and your colleagues over at No Better Friend, you have this new project that you've been working on. Uh, you just rolled it out uh, in recent days. If you could start by telling us briefly about it. Absolutely. It's called the, uh, the Right Idea Podcast. Uh, everyone's listening to podcasts right now, so we figured we put out a high-quality one that actually shares some uh, conservative policy ideas. Uh, and then we're going to do different seasons going forward, but our first one is focused on school choice, and specifically the impact of school choice programs in the state of Wisconsin. And just give a, we can talk more about this, but a very brief overview. There's a number of different programs in the state of Wisconsin that allow uh, parents and students to enroll themselves in opportunities to attend different schools. And some of these are publicly funded vouchers that allow them to go to uh, private schools. Some of them are public charter schools. Some of them are just simply going to private schools or open enrollment. But the point is that we're allowing in Wisconsin parents different opportunities to go to different schools, to get their kids out of failing schools, and to ultimately put them on a platform where they, they can succeed in life. And here we are, John, at a moment where we're hearing a whole lot of empty promises and accusations and all sorts of stuff flying around in our society, uh, in many cases trying to undermine the moral fabric of the country. And this is a real solution that takes people in some of the most adversely affected cities and neighborhoods in America and says, here's an opportunity to get your kids into schools that embrace success and get them on the right uh, trajectory in life so they can go off and be successful. And guess what? That's the kind of foundational policy that can actually uh, change problems over the long term in life. Now, we can talk more about why Democrats don't like this. They don't like it because their public sector unions adamantly oppose it because they see it as a threat to their existence because these schools outperform traditional public schools in the same neighborhoods. Um, mm -hmm. And by the way, it's not a castigation of all public schools, but you get into some of the most disadvantaged neighborhoods in our own state. These schools can exist side by side on the same block, and they're outperforming, and they're giving kids a better chance. And there the Democrat Party is there fighting uh, the existence of these school choice programs. It's mm -hmm. absurd. Uh, well, of course it is. And, again, we don't have to guess on this front. Uh, this has been going on for years. We have the data that shows that, yes, uh, traditionally these choice schools are outperforming and in many cases significantly outperforming the K-12 public schools in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we've discussed some of that data on this program in the past. For those who want to revisit it after today's program is done, I, I would encourage you to go online and do so. I know the MacGyver Institute's done a lot of great work in, in documenting uh, some of those numbers. And as you noted, there are many Democrat politicians in the United States, uh, including our Democrat governor here in the state of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, who have voiced opposition to this successful school choice program. And you're talking, Kevin, about the current moment. 
that we're living in. Obviously, there's a lot of unrest in the United States right. these days. Uh, you have a lot of talk uh, about white versus black and all this and, and how it is that uh, we can help out members of the black community in the United States. And you would think that if our leaders really cared about helping members of the black community as they claim, or helping anyone for that matter, that they would support this successful school choice program that traditionally has been giving a, a much better education to students than they would otherwise get in the K-12. I, I mean, you would think that that instead of talking about demeaning handouts of some sort, that our leaders would all be talking about something like school choice, which gives an opportunity for young students, including young black students, to better themselves through this school choice program that has benefited so many children in the state of Wisconsin, including many black children in the state of Wisconsin, you would think they would go that route of giving them this opportunity instead of demeaning them with handouts, uh, but instead they don't do that. They try and deprive them this opportunity, and instead they do continue to push these demeaning handouts. Absolutely, and it's patronizing, and it really does harm people. I mean, the reality is this, mm -hmm. that we have a policy solution, to your point, that has a record of achievement, whether we're talking about reading achievement or we're talking about ACT scores or high school graduation rates, that, again, in some of the most uh, uh, difficult neighborhoods to grow up in, in our state or in America, uh, these schools on, again, a neighborhood-by-neighborhood -neighborhood basis are, are performing the traditional school, uh, uh, public school competition that they have to deal with. And that is real. It's significant. You don't get to make it up and pretend it's not real. And guess what? They're also doing it at a lower cost per student uh, than are the traditional public schools uh, in their same neighborhoods. And so therefore, yes, if you look at these politicians who, again, many of the, the cities in our state and our nation that are most affected by violence, that are most affected by educational underachievement, are led by Democrats and have been for decades. And so at some point, we as conservatives, and this is the whole idea behind the Right Idea podcast, have to be reaching out to people and saying, look, we're not going to patronize you. We're not going to lie to you. We're not going to pretend that the solution is simple to move forward in life and to be successful. But we do think that we have ideas such, for example, as like allowing your children to attend uh, high-performing schools that will embrace them and create a culture that will uh, encourage them to go off and succeed, that this is a good idea, and we're willing to stick our neck out there to do it. And meanwhile, look at the people that are representing you, whether in the state legislature or uh, in municipal politics, and ask them hard questions like, how dare you deny this? I mean, we had a rally with a 1,000 kids at the state capitol, uh, mostly black and Hispanic kids coming uh, from Milwaukee, Madison, Racine, Kenosha, and all over the state, frankly, coming from Green Bay as well, too. And they got there, and they said, look, we're here to celebrate our achievement it was a great event. It was truly wonderful to see these kids there celebrating schools. I, I, you know, I wonder if I myself at their age would have been celebrating <laughs> my education, but these kids were. They're smarter than me. And then afterwards, the Democrats in the state legislature, Wisconsin Democrats, the governor ran out of the building. He was too afraid to be there. We'll scare him out again here soon. But the bottom line is the Democrats got up, and they had a uh, press conference in which they talked about shutting down those programs while the kids were still in the building. And this is some of the most significant educational achievement we've seen in our state mm -hmm. out of neighborhoods most affected by, again, violence and, and just simple disadvantages. And that's insane. And we have to call them to account. Well, and we absolutely do. As we're being joined here on the John Muir Show by Kevin Nicholson, president of the No Better Friend Corp here in the state of Wisconsin. And, and you know, 
you touched on a minute ago that the, the reason that so many of these elected Democrats are opposed are opposed to this successful school choice program is because some very powerful individuals that fund their campaigns and fund their party are totally opposed to school choice because they they perceive that as a threat to their power. But I, I mean, you would think still, in in spite of the fact that that you're clearly willing to prioritize the interest of your donors, the interests of special interests ahead of the interest of the average Wisconsinite, that you would still, if you're a decent person, struggle to, as you said, even when these you know school choice kids are are in the building. I actually publicly speak out against that school choice program. I mean, thinking back to when that was taking place uh, months ago now, I, it didn't seem that any of those Democrat politicians who were speaking out against school choice were even the slightest bit bothered by what it is they were doing. It seemed that they they, they, they were proud to say the things they were saying. They, they didn't mind uh, that you know these, ki- these kids were just you know, however many feet away from them. No, they, they, they were glad to say this program that's been so successful for you, so successful for many of your fellow Wisconsinites, yep, we oppose it and we want it to go away. Well, and in part because they're enabled by the media, right, who never mm-hmm. properly hold them to account. And, look, we, we got done with that event uh, at the Capitol, and we had a press conference, and the media showed up. And so we said a bit about the facts of school choice and the reality and how wonderful of an event this was. And I don't think anybody asked any questions. Um, the Democrats had their press conference, and I know there should have been some serious questions asked, like, how dare you? And Well, actually, you know what, let me take that back. Reporters don't even have to phrase it that way. They can simply say, how do you justify Mm-hmm. The fact that you're fighting some of the most high-achieving uh, schools in some of the most disadvantaged neighborhoods. And because those questions aren't asked, Democrats are able to basically hide the ball and pretend that things aren't happening that are, and then to go around and accuse everybody else in the world of being a racist in an attempt to cover up the fact that their policy failures have helped to encourage uh, the complete destruction of neighborhoods. And that's unacceptable. And again, if we don't call them to account, we can't count on the media doing so. And when the media refuses to step up, and it wants to instead, you know, make it uh, blanket accusations against the rest of society. We need to call them to account and say, look, we are putting forward good ideas that actually help people of all backgrounds, <laughs> no matter where they're from, but mm-hmm. certainly really gives an important escape valve to kids that are facing the biggest challenges. Um, and that's real. Again, it's foundational. It's not something that's made up. We're not simply casting aspersions and going around and yelling at people. We're actually saying, let's move forward. And I'll tell you, uh, I meet with black clergy members in Milwaukee. We're going to have more meetings coming up here in the near future. Uh, we talk about these as being not just the, the addressing of the immediate needs, but the long-term foundational uh, policy changes that need to be implemented in order to structurally change neighborhoods and give kids, again, the launching pad that they need. But, again, this is real. It's not made up. And, uh, again, the policymakers and the media types who ignore it should be called to account. Well, Kevin, I think you just touched on a bigger picture point, and I have my theory on this, but I'm curious your take on it. Uh, like you said, you know, people like Governor Evers and so many elected Democrats, they are so opposed to things like school choice, not limited to school choice, but things like school choice, where these are programs that have been successful, they, they've been especially beneficial to minority communities, the black community. Uh, yet these people who are so opposed to programs that have been beneficial for Americans, including black Americans, uh, they are so quick, as you know, to just throw out the term racist to describe people who oppose them politically, whether it's President Trump, various supporters of President Trump's. But, of course, for so many of us who support President Trump, 
we're not racist. We don't go around uh, wishing harm on people based on the color of their skin. I, rather, we're trying to do everything we can to advocate for opportunities uh, to, to better uh, many of the people who they accuse us of hating. But we're living in a time where so many non-racist individuals and non-racist thoughts are being called racist and then subsequently uh, are censored in many cases. That while people and thoughts that are actually racist, that, that are actually collectively judging people based on the race and then either advocating for those people to be rewarded or hindered strictly based off the color of their skin, uh, those people are not widely being labeled as racist. They are not receiving uh, much pushback, if any pushback, for what they're doing. And I'm just thinking that if you really want to fight any of the remaining instances of racism in the United States, well, then you would oppose bigoted groups like Black Lives Matter, uh, not some guy like Drew Brees, uh, who's simply voicing pro-America, non-bigoted sentiments, right? If you wanted to cover up your many generations of policy and political failure, if you wanted to, again, hide the ball and pretend that what has happened over the past decades in America had not occurred, if you, in other words, if you were the Democrat Party and the media that, that um, supports them, you would do everything you could to point the blame at other people and say, look, what, what your eyes are telling you are simply not true. The fact that Democrats lead the most afflicted cities in America when it comes to low educational attainment and violence. That doesn't matter. Really, it's the fault of the people that you haven't voted for for you know, five, six decades to have anything to do with your city or your neighborhood. Again, that defies explanation. It makes absolutely no sense. But it does explain a bit of the, um, the, the anger and the vitriol that comes with the accusations that are flowing from the far left, that are firing from the media, or excuse me, firing from the media, because what they're trying to do is basically uh, cover up their many failures and the fact that their belief structure doesn't really address the problems that people are most worried about, what, which is basically, can I achieve happiness in life, right? And this is true. Like, again, my life brings me into contact with everybody across the board, all different backgrounds, all different colors, belief structures, whatever. I have to deal with different people because I'm in the private industry. And our nonprofit, again, operates all across our state. So we see all sorts of different people and we have great conversations with them. And guess what? They don't hate each other. <laughs> it's not a surprise, but they don't hate each other. They would wish well upon each other. Now, they are constantly fed a stream of invective, uh, whether it's coming from social media or if it's coming from the news media or whatever the case is, in order to convince them that they hate each other. And that serves a political purpose, which all comes down to what? The accumulation of power. And this is what leftists and statists and socialists and fascists and communists have always wanted, which is power over people. And it's not a surprise that they try to lump us all into categories hit us against each other, and then ultimately increase their control over us. And we as conservatives, and John, you and I have talked about the failings of the Republican establishment, and they are many. <laughs> There's no doubt about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. One of the things they failed to do is to reach out to people and say, look, our ideas are not simply just about, you know, cutting your property taxes. We believe in giving wealth back to you. <laughs> we believe that, yes, mm -hmm. the government should take less from you. We also believe the government should have policies in place that allow you to grow yourself and to grow wealth and to grow uh, your education to go off and do great things. And again, school choice, the reason we build this podcast is because I think that's foundational and addresses people uh, in some of the worst situations in terms of challenges. But, but it, it's beyond that, right? Our idea structure empowers people. And we have to, as conservatives, make a better 
uh, not just a better attempt, we have to do better to reach out to people, punch through the lies and the noise, and say, you know, whatever you've heard from NBC, CBS, ABC, whomever, CNN, we actually do love you as people, and we want you to be successful. And here's our ideas to how to do it. And I think that's, we can say that with sincerity because it's true, and we have to do it. And if we don't, we're going to lose the future of this country. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the, the Republican Party definitely needs to get better with its messaging. That's been clear for an incredibly long time. It's, st- it's still falling way short of where it needs to be on that front. I mean, you wouldn't think right. that a, a party that has so many facts on its side and, and so many right answers on its side w- would be so afraid in so many cases to publicly discuss these matters when winning a debate would be so easy. Uh, right. And to, to the other point you made, obviously, for so much of today's elite left, it it is all about projection. Accuse your political opponents of doing the very thing that you're actually doing and hope that you can get away with it. Uh, Now, we're running short on time as we're being joined by No Better Friend Corp's Kevin Nicholson, and uh, I've got to ask you about this, because one of of the common questions I get, I kid you not, I actually got it over the weekend once again, is what's happening with Kevin Nicholson. Obviously, he's doing uh, No Better Friend Corp right now, but going forward, what's going to happen? You know, there are a lot of folks out there who, like myself, uh, voted for you to be a U.S. senator back in uh, back in 2018, and if the Republican Party Wisconsin didn't step in and screw the whole thing up, maybe that would have happened. But, um, you know, people going forward want to know what's happening, And, and the one that comes up the most is governor here in the state of Wisconsin. Of course, we've seen uh, no shortage of failures from our current governor, Tony Evers, in the roughly year and a half that he's been in that office. Uh, We've even seen repeated lawlessness uh, from Governor Evers just within the past few months in the order that he issued for totally partisan purposes the day before Wisconsin's spring election, in lawlessly trying to keep his unconstitutional safer-at-home order in place, trampling on people's constitutional rights as law-abiding citizens, ruining our state's economy. So I just wonder, with everything that you've seen recently from Governor Evers, recently in the political climate as a whole, has that had any influence on what potential plans you might have in running for elected office going forward? Well, sure. I mean, I'm as frustrated as everybody else, and it angers me. that The total lack of sensible leadership and direction, right, on all fronts, uh, whether our, our economy uh, has faced existential uh, problems that nobody can control, and I full well understand that, right? But there are more sensible things that we can be doing for empowering our people for the future. Again, today we're talking about school choice, which Governor Evers adamantly opposes, but it goes beyond that, right? His set of economic policies, his, uh, his, his absurd desire to spend us into uh, the ground, and, and going forward, just a complete lack of knowledge as to how to reach out to people and to inspire them to do better. And as we face these crises, we've at best, we could say, is that he's been absent. And that's hugely problematic. Now, when it comes to me in particular, so as we look, obviously, we need to reelect the president. And that's coming up in 2020. We get, excuse me, we get beyond that. We're looking at 22. And there's going to be two big, big races in this state, Senate and governor. And what I said from the get-go is Ron Johnson's an incumbent United States senator. He has to make a decision as to what he's going to do next. And I don't know what Ron's going to do. We don't talk often, but we do stay in touch. And he'll figure that out. Once he does, then I can figure out what we're going to do. And our team is ready to go. And when it comes to 2022, whether it's governor or Senate, we are going to be ready to win one of those races. And, John, I have to say what that means to your listeners. Like, I don't mean mess around in a primary and talk about, you know, who's whose friend and who's been around longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, win a general election because, and I meant it when I said it back in 2018, 
our country is on a precipice. And if you didn't believe me then, you should believe me now. And it takes assertive, aggressive leaders who've lived a life where you've gone from the private sector to the public sector. You've done hard things. Yeah, we're, we're lucky here in the state of Wisconsin to have Ron Johnson representing us, and uh, we certainly would be lucky to have you representing us in any capacity here in Wisconsin as well. Uh, Kevin Nicholson, president of the No Better Friend Corps, thank you so much for your time as always. Look forward to catching up with you soon again. Thank you, John. Take care. All right, thank you. You as well. More of the show in a minute. It's 8.59.